Welcome to Shear Jashub, brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing with the in-depth Through the Bible series entitled Heavenly Authority. So let's join my husband, Pastor Greg, as he begins the Sunday Sermon. We'll pick up our study on heavenly authority where we left off last time in 1 Samuel chapter 11. In our last sermon, we saw the victory that Saul had over Nahash, the Ammonite, saving the people of Jabesh Gilead from Nahash's cruelty and torture. And God proclaims Saul as his chosen king by this victory, and it's clear in the sight of all the people. As Saul wins this battle, as the Spirit of God comes upon him. Remember, we read that in verse 6. And we saw how when Saul was first selected from all the tribes and all the individuals in Israel, with the Urim and the Thummim, that there were some that were rebels that said, how can this man save us? And they despised him, and they brought him no presents. And then after the great victory against Nahash the Ammonite, uh, the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. These rebels, these troublemakers, had grumbled against God's choice. They grumbled against God's anointed, his anointed king. But Saul's response reminds us very much, we said, of what Jesus would do, where he told James and John they knew not the spirit they were of when they wanted to call down fire from heaven against the Samaritans. He let them be because this was a day that God accomplished salvation. It was a day of joy, not a day of death. Then we pick up today in verse 14, after this great victory, then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. That's verse 14. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. You remember back when Samuel anoints Saul with the oil, that he tells him in chapter 10, verse 7, And let it be when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. And Saul certainly did as the occasion demanded when he heard about the terrible condition of the people in Jabesh Gilead, and he uh, rouses all of Israel to go and to defeat the Ammonites. And then Samuel says, You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. And this is the first fulfillment of that prophecy. There will be a second fulfillment later on um, that actually will be more dramatic. But here, now that Saul has defeated the Ammonites, Samuel says, come, let us go to Gilgal, just as he had prophesied before and renew the kingdom there. And Gilgal is an important site in Israel. You remember when we studied 
uh, back in Joshua that Gilgal was the first campsite of the Israelites after they crossed the Jordan River and they entered the Promised Land. You remember that this is where Joshua had them set up the memorial stones. Remember the stones from the Jordan River? When the Jordan River parted from the dry bed, they picked up these stones and they set up the memorial stones from the Jordan as a remembrance of God's deliverance. Now, let's look at that again very quickly in Joshua chapter 4. In Joshua chapter 4 and verse 19, Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. Verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So the purpose of those stones in Gilgal were to be a reminder for the parents to teach the children. And they were to teach one about the delivering power of God, how he parted the Jordan, how he parted the Red Sea so they could cross over. That all the peoples of the earth, every nation, may know the hand of the Lord the power and the protection and the might of God's hand, that it is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever, that God delivers by the power of his hand and his hand is mighty, he's to be feared. That's what those stones were to remind them of, the fear of the Lord. Now we know in the New Testament, perfect love drives out fear. If we're in a close relationship with Jesus Christ, if we want to do what's right, if we've given our whole lives, our whole soul to him, if we're saved by his blood and we rest and we love his word and we love his way and we desire to do his way, there is no fear because perfect love drives out fear. But it's a terrible thing when an individual, a society, a people, or a nation Forget the fear of God because God is mighty. The same God that delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea closed up the Red Sea on top of Pharaoh's chariots. His hand is mighty. The same God that brought them across into the Promised Land also brought down the walls of Jericho and destroyed those people because God is mighty and God is to be feared. We don't fear men we fear God. If there's something to fear, it's to fear God. And then we come into the loving relationship with him, and then there's nothing to fear. Unfortunately, sometimes because of a crossover, because of semantics, because of a lack of knowledge of foundation, in our nation, we speak about the love of God. That comes out of Christianity. That comes out of 
the relationship with Jesus Christ. But then we forget Jesus Christ. And we forget the relationship with him that allows us not to fear. And then we say, well, God is just a God of love. And we don't fear him anymore. We feel we can do anything we want to do. That anything we do is okay because God becomes not the God of the Bible, but almost like a Santa Claus or a, a genie that's just there to bless us no matter what. But Joshua told the Israelites, who clearly were under the blessing of God, right, how he protected them and took them out and did miracles for them, fear God. These stones are here to remind you God is the one who delivers you, and God is the one you must fear. At Gilgal, that was also the place where they had the first Passover. The first Passover in Canaan, I should say. The first Passover in the Promised Land was celebrated at Gilgal. Gilgal was Joshua's base of operation for the conquest of Canaan. It was from Gilgal that Joshua started to allot the land and portion out the land for the tribes. And Gilgal is just northeast of Jericho. And we know about, we spoke about the collapse of Jericho. And now Gilgal will become the place, the site of Saul's coronation, the first king of Israel's coronation. And what better place to as Samuel the prophet says, renew the kingdom. Renew the kingdom of Israel. And we start to speak now in the scriptures about the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom, the melakor, something that's ruled, something that's reigned, a realm. We speak about the realm now, the kingdom age starts now with the anointing of the king. And obviously from the kingdom of Israel, in the New Testament, the symbolism goes on to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, with the true king, the king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So they assemble then for the coronation at Gilgal. And verse 15, so all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, probably Samuel in the function of a priest, offer the sacrifices. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. They had wanted their king. They got the king. God anointed. God chose a king. God gave him the spirit. There's victory over Nahash. Now everyone accepts him as king. Initially, not all accepted him as king, as God's choice. They have him. They feel they have power now like the other nations. We have a central government. We have a power structure. We have a king to look after us, to go out and battle for us. And they're rejoicing and they're having a great time. And then we come to verse 1. The old prophet Samuel gets up and speaks. And we have a more somber note. And leave it to the prophet to take a moment in time. And what are they doing in verse 15? They're rejoicing greatly and spoil the fun. Samuel's going to spoil the fun. He's going to bring them down to a very solemn note. It says, now Samuel in chapter 12, verse 1, said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice and all that you said to me, and have made a king over you. And now, here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day, 
Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. Remember, we have a transition here. We have a transition from the Shafet, the judge. Samuel will be the last judge to the kingship. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. We know it is terribly difficult to find the time to write in today's fast-paced world, but if you could find the time to drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement would be a real blessing. Our address is Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And as always, we welcome you to join us at our church service. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.